Welcome, 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 welcome back once again to my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Ladies and gentlemen, said last night when I was getting off the podcast that I didn't know what I was going to be back with today. Jesus Christ, my bad, sorry about that. Didn't know what I was going to be back with today, but I said I was going to be back once again today. Today I was sitting around thinking about podcast ideas, thinking about things that I should put on the podcast. I got I got a lot of stuff today specifically talking about the draft and some draft prospects that you know we're, we're going to talk about. We're going to look in depth at some of the draft prospects, some guys that I like, some guys that you may not know about, some other things going on right here on 24's podcast. Don't worry, we're going to get to everything in preparation for the draft that's going to come up in about a week. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to have a lot of stuff for you to talk about today, for me to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. That, draft prospects, and much, 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 much more, right here on 24th Podcast. Alright, so what are we going to be doing? Are we going to be doing a mock draft? No, we're not going to be doing a mock draft because I've done like five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. I've done, I've done way, 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 way too many mock drafts on the podcast. And I'm, I'm, I myself, I don't really like doing mock drafts that much except to simulate situations and things of that nature. The simulation is all the fun. It's, it's, it, that's, that's literally the only reason why having a mock draft is fun. But it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm done doing mock drafts. I can kind of talk about where people are going uh, until I'm blue in the face. I kind of just want to talk about the prospects here today. Some of the guys that I like, some of the guys that I'm going to be looking for in the draft to see where they go and which teams they go towards and things of that nature. Some of it is going to be very, very predictive, like Joe Burrow and Chase Young and all those guys that are going to be in the top like 10, probably, maybe not top 10, but first round, I would say. Some of them are going to be pretty uh, pretty predictable where they're going to go to. Now, this isn't a comprehensive list. This, is, this isn't going to be a full list. This is just going to be a partial list. There's like 500 prospects that are going to be entering into the draft this year. So it's like, I'm not going to have 500 prospects and I'm not going to go over every single one of them. However... Uh, I got a lot of names that I think that you'll be uh, maybe a little bit surprised by. Some other names that are going to be pretty obvious and things of that nature. Uh, so let's get started with easily one of my favorite categories, if not my favorite category, my favorite position in all of football, the quarterbacks this year. Uh, I got a couple. Obviously, Joe Burrow, he's probably the best quarterback prospect in this year's draft. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa being the second best quarterback prospect. But let me put this on the brain. Let me talk about Justin Herbert for a couple of minutes. If you told me that I could have Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, or Justin Herbert as my starting quarterback, and if I was on a pretty good football team, if I didn't have a lot of flaws with my football team, I had some offensive linemen, I had probably a wide receiver and a tight end, and I could get a running back in the draft. You want to know who I'm going to take? In the first round, probably within the top 10, I'd probably take Justin Herbert. Here's the reason why. When it comes, and we kind of did this last night. We kind of looked at Joe Burrow's numbers last night 
Uh, and, you know, everybody knows that Tua has some injury history, has an injury history, excuse me. Uh, he just got a hip injury, I think, when he played for Alabama. That's that's something that you don't necessarily want to see. Everybody, whenever they talk about Tua Tagovailoa and when whenever they evaluate him as a quarterback, they always talk about how whenever he takes hits, you always have to worry about him being injured. And if I'm a team, if I'm a GM for a team that's not going to draft uh, an offensive line within the next within um, within the first round or the second round, or if I don't have an offensive line for for Tua, I'm I'm not taking Tua. There's no way I'm taking Tua Tagovailoa at number one overall or number five overall or whatever team you think I'm going to be drafting for. This is just non-specific. Uh, he's probably one of the best prospects in the draft at his position because of his resume. Because like we know what happened. I think two, three years ago when he had to come in for Justin, not Justin, Jalen Hurts uh, after that first half and Nick Saban was like, Jalen, you're out, Tua, you're in. Tua absolutely lit it up. He did a fantastic job uh, with the Alabama, with, with Alabama against Clemson and he continued to play exceptionally well in the in the next couple of years. The only issue with Tua is his injuries. It has absolutely nothing to do with his ability as a quarterback. It's just the medical said that he he got cleared via the medical, but like NFL hits are different from college level hits. And it's like, I gotta, like, I gotta wonder like how much are you going to protect him? Because I mean, everybody wants to talk about Carson Wentz and and talk about how, how much talent he has and things that I I could make a serious case for Carson Wentz, probably being a better quarterback if he didn't have the injuries, right? He's only won the division technically one time in his, in his career uh, the other time he wasn't even he he didn't see the end of the season because he like because he was hurt. I can make a serious argument to say that his development as a quarterback has been staunched because of his ability to to stay on the football field, and that's probably going to be something similar with Tua. You're probably going to redshirt him in your first year while building an offensive line and some cohesion offensively, uh, so, so that way Tua when he gets to the the football field in the second year, you'll probably have a better overall player than in your first year. A lot of people, they say, you know, you got to play your starting quarterback uh, that you drafted in the first round the his first year. Get him in the first year. He's a first-round draft pick. Don't listen to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. If you're a quarterback, you can learn as much, if not more, on the sideline. In fact, I'll go with the more uh, category. I think you can learn more as a quarterback sitting on the sideline than you can actually playing the game. Why is that? Well, the quarterback position is a very cerebral position. There's a lot of terminology. There's a lot of there's a lot of mechanics that do not transfer over from college to the pros. I mean, are we talking about him being under center, being in an offense that's an air raid offense where he's in the shotgun instead of being under center? Because those steps that you have to take a three step, a five step, a seven step drop back, those things and the throwing mechanics that come with having a three, a five, a seven step drop back, those are completely different than being uh, constantly in the shotgun or constantly under center. Like it's, it's just a different ball game. And then on top of that, the timing of the throws as well you may not necessarily have all day the separation that comes with the uh, that comes with being in a pro style offense comparatively to an uh, to a college offense where the separation i mean we're talking like 5 to 10 yards on some of these routes that wide receivers are running that's the expected separation that you get from college to the pros there are some positions like the running back position that transfer incredibly well from college to the NFL. And the reason why is that you just get the ball and you run through a hole. There's a lot of 
I guess, physical attributes that come with being a running back. There's a lot of specific, uh, like maybe not specific, but qualities that you look for in a running back that can transfer from college to the pros. But it's like there's like running backs can transfer over easily or easier, excuse me, than quarterbacks can. And then on top of that, as a quarterback, the terminology changes. Deshaun Watson talked about how he did not know the uh, the playbook uh, or not the playbook, excuse me, but how the playbook was so different going from Clemson to Houston during his first year there. He had to relearn everything. And by relearn everything, I mean relearn the terminology. He had to speak pretty much a different language. And that's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of stuff that goes into playing quarterback than than just throwing the football. And I feel like a lot of people, they they, want to try and simplify it and make it so, oh, it's just a guy throwing a football to a certain... Nope, a lot more stuff. And then on top of that, that's just the offensive side of the football, right? That's just the stuff that you got to know and got to work on yourself. Then we're talking about the defensive side of the football, reading coverages, reading the defense pre-snap and understanding, you know, what are your reads going to be like what exactly who exactly are you going to go through go to excuse me progression wise right is your number one covered up is your number two you know available or is or is he covered up or is your number three guy the the underneath guy maybe the slot or the tight end is he going to be available or is it going to be the fourth guy you know there's a lot of stuff where when it comes to being the quarterback not just of of a of, a, of an offense but let's say they go to a high-powered offense let's say I mean, Tua and Joe, they're probably not going to a, high, a high-powered a high offense, but let's say it is a Justin Herbert. Let's say he does go to a complex offense like the Patriots, for example, right, where it's a lot of underneath routes. Excuse me. It's, an, it's a lot of underneath routes. It's a lot of checkdowns. It's a lot of, you know, give it to Edelman or Hogan when he was there or Amendola when he was there uh, in the slot. Let's, you know, Nikhil Harry, he's not necessarily the type of receiver that you see on the Patriots roster. So maybe Justin Herbert, he goes to a team that has a complex uh, offense, excuse me, and Joe Burrow and Tua, they don't. And it's, it's, it's a transitional period. It's like you want quarterbacks that aren't necessarily, you want, like, I would say if you, if you aren't going to get rid of what's, what's his name, Andy Dalton in his first year, rest Joe Burrow, put his ass on the, on the freaking bench. Put to attack of Aloha. Put his ass on the bench. If you if if you like Jason Stidham or whoever you like uh, in in New England, put Justin Herbert's ass on the bench. It's like you you guys aren't going to win anything anyways. Seriously, it's like you know why why do why do we need to? I, I guess the only reason why you would want to play these guys is to sell tickets and to keep your job if you're the coach. Like that's it. But I think overall, Justin Herbert right now. Over two attack of a low, I think that's a real thing. I think that's a possibility um, because Tua has had injury concerns in, in an injury history. But with Joe Burrow, he's only had one good year of college, and he's been a he's a fifth year starter. He's been in college for five fucking years. That's a long time to be in college. Long ass time. I don't want to be in college for five years. He was in college for five years. Now Joe. Because of that, because he only, like, five-year starter, five not five-year starter, five-year player, only had one good season, that's a giant red flag. That's a huge red flag. The whole reason why Justin Herbert is being evaluated less than everybody else is because he came out of the draft. He came out the, um, what was it? He came out in his senior year. Usually, if you're a top-tier quarterback, you come out during your junior year, right? So everybody's giving Justin Herbert flack because he played another year of college. Well, Joe Burrow played five years of college, and he only had one good season. 
Like, that worries me. That worries me a lot when it comes to his position and consistency of play. You really, really, really need your quarterback to be consistent coming out of college. Let me take a swig of my half and half before I continue. I got to open up the can first. I'm so hungry right now. I got I got a, I, I got some tamales waiting on me. Some frozen ass tamales. I'm, I got something. I'm hungry, but I have not eaten. I I ate, I ate breakfast, but I have not eaten my dinner. I cannot wait to eat some dinner now. Joe Burrow. Here's the thing that I also saw about Joe Burrow, and this is specifically when I was watching Justin Jefferson his highlights. Joe, I I thought at one point in time he had a good arm. I'm not so sure anymore. Some of his some of his best plays to Justin Jefferson were underthrown footballs and definitely not intentionally because Justin Jefferson he was gone. Like he he was he had 5 yards of separation Justin Jefferson and this is why the more I watch Justin Jefferson the more I'm like dang this guy's a really 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 great wide receiver. He's incredibly underrated. He sh- he should no doubt be picked as a first round draft pick. But when I watch Justin Jefferson play he was away, he was gone, and Joe just underthrew the crap out of him sometimes. There were other times where Joe put it on him, and he, he laid it out there, and he was a perfectly thrown football, but there were other times, man, especially when it seemed like it was really, really deep passes, not necessarily 20-yard throws, but I'm watching just not Joe, uh, not Justin, excuse me, Joe throwing the red zone right now, because in a, the NFL Network, they're playing highlights, but him in the red zone especially when it came to over-the-shoulder uh, over the shoulder throws, not necessarily back-shoulder throws, but when it came to him throwing it over the shoulder, putting it, on the bread, putting it in the bread basket of his wide receiver, he was pretty great at it. But there are times where he had to... There, there's, there's this terminology called 20, between the 20s and in the red zone, right? In between the 20s is in between the 20-yard 20, uh, 20 line of, of, of your... Lar- excuse me. It's between your 20-yard line and your opponent's 20-yard line. And then there's obviously the red zone, right? Joe, I feel like, is a lot more efficient and effective within the, the red zone over in the 20s. Or, in or excuse me, oh my god, I don't know why I'm stuttering so badly. But he's not as effective in between the 20s uh, when it comes to his ability to throw the football deep. And I saw a lot of underthrown footballs. I saw a lot of a lot of footballs where I'm just like, man, Justin Jefferson is having to significantly adjust to that pass. And even though Justin Jefferson, I mean, we're talking five yards of separation. It should be it should be on the money every single time. And he's having to kind of like look over his shoulder and contort, slow down, like throttle it back completely. Which, by the way, we're going to talk about Justin Jefferson here in a couple of minutes. But I saw I saw some really I I don't want to say bad balls because they were where they needed to be, but they were really really underthrown. And I don't necessarily know. Who's going to be there to catch those underthrown footballs uh, in in Cincinnati? And when you look at some of the teams that he's going to have to go up against, Joe Burrow, he's going to have to go up against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, who has a pretty good secondary. Then he's going to have to go up against the Steelers, again, a pretty good secondary. And then even, like, the Browns, they got a couple of guys. They got Denzel Ward. They got some guys in the Browns, right? So I'm like, damn it, like, Joe, Joe, if he he has a bunch of underthrown footballs next season, he's going to get picked. He's getting like everybody talked about Baker Mayfield and him having a bunch of interceptions. Joe, he could have a lot of interceptions because of those underthrown footballs, ladies and gentlemen. And um, 
I still think he's a high top tier prospect as much as I, you know, kind of, you know, talked about the negatives about Joe Burrow. The upside is that, you know, the the season that he had last year, 5,000 yards, 60 touchdowns, I think he had six interceptions. That cannot be underrated or understated whatsoever. Those, and then he won the Heisman Trophy, and then he was undefeated, and then he went on to go into the the, the college football playoffs and then win uh, the national championship. Like all that in one year, that cannot be understated whatsoever. People want careers that have you know multiple thousand yard seasons and sixty plus tu- not sixty plus touchdowns in a season, but sixty touchdowns in a career. There are guys that don't have that. They would love to be Joe Burrow for a season. Or not ju- uh, for a season, but have his stats for a career, a college career. Joe Burrow just had it for a season. That can't be understated. I'm just if you if you you have to you have to get Joe and you have to get him a wide receiver. And I think the Bengals uh, in the second round you got to give him a, you got to give him a wide receiver. There's just no way that you can go go in and have AJ Green. You either have to pay AJ Green or move off of AJ Green and get somebody else. Like if you're if you're freaking uh, the Bengals, you have to you may want to use a wide receiver or not use a wide receiver, but get a wide receiver in your second round. Joe in your first, wide receiver in your second. Maybe address a defensive guy. Maybe maybe you get somebody defensively in your second round, and then you just max out on wide receivers. But it's like feasibly, if you're going to invest a lot of money and a lot of uh, and by a lot of money, excuse me, a lot of capital in the quarterback position because you're drafting him number one overall, you should 1,000% think about getting him a doggone wide receiver just in case if you don't want to leave him out on an island. Because again, if we're talking about the AFC North and we're talking about the Bengals, you're going up against, what's his name? Uh, uh, Miles Garrett. You're going up against Miles Garrett. You're going up against TJ Watt. You're going up against the Baltimore Ravens defense, right? Like you're going up against a defense where there's some pass rushers and some guys that can hit your quarterback Get him an offensive line. Get him some doggone wide receivers. Help him out a little bit. Just saying. So that was Joe Burrow. Um, next up, I got Jake Fromm. Haven't really talked about Jake Fromm whatsoever when it comes to um, when it comes to him being a quarterback. For me personally, I thought at the time that he was a second round draft pick. But then I kind of looked back and I was like, he kind of throw. He he has a lot of underthrown footballs as well. And I kind of thought to myself, and I did, and I made a similar mistake that a lot of people made with Jordan Love. I kind of thought about the potential of him and not necessarily the reality. The reality is he's probably a third or fourth round draft pick. He has a lot of underthrown footballs. And when I went back to Georgia, I was like, he's kind of just dinking and dunking it. There's really not a lot of dynamic plays with him. He doesn't necessarily push the football down the football field. And sometimes even during those short to intermediate throws, he's kind of inconsistent on those throws as well. And I thought that he was a lot, I thought that he was a lot better than, than what he initially was. And he's, he's not, he is, he is not, he is, he has fallen. His stock has fallen in my opinion, but yes, I think if you can get him third, fourth round, yeah. I think that would be pretty good value. There's some other guys that you can get third, fourth round uh, that are going to be pretty good value as well. Let me take a swig of my half and half real quick. Hold on. All right. Continuing forward with some quarterbacks. Talked about Jake Fromm a little bit. Let's get to the big one, Jordan Love. Um, and Jacob Eason, pretty much similar. Similar, I, I wouldn't say play, but similar archetype. Big arms, right? Everybody keeps on talking about these two guys and saying, well, Jacob Eason and and Jordan Love, they both have big arms, right? You got to draft him because of the potential, right, of these quarterbacks. 
Um, the the thing with a lot of big armed quarterbacks that I've seen and that I've experienced is that when they have a big arm, they chuck the football down the field. They rely on their athleticism to bail them out, and they don't necessarily hone in on the mechanics. They don't necessarily turn the football. They not. It's not that they don't turn the football over a lot. They do turn the football over a lot with no regard for scheme, for situational awareness. They've been told since probably preschool or even middle school that they've had this gigantic arm and they can chuck the football down the football field and they, they should just do that. That's, that's how they should make their bread. That's how they should make their money. And because they only chuck the football down the football field, they don't have any finer, uh, fine-tuned mechanics. Ask, for example, what's his name? Jameis Winston. That's a perfect example big armed quarterback everybody's still evaluating him as a top tier as like six years six years excuse me after he was drafted everybody keeps on saying well you know what he's a great quarterback he's got a big arm he's got a big bicep you gotta you gotta you know you gotta keep him around because of that what if it's like dude he's he's five years five, six years into the league, and he can't freaking understand when and where not to throw a bad football. And on top of that, he's not a Brett Favre. He doesn't have that, like, I don't know how, like, like Brett Favre could throw the football into precarious situations and have it work out completely well for him while at the same token have it go completely horrifically wrong for him as well. Not wrong, horribly for him. And that's some of these quarterbacks, man. They, they think that they can just chuck it in a triple coverage because they have a big arm. And, and NFL defenses are like, nope, we've seen the tape. We're going to adjust. Don't worry. We're going to adjust. Don't you worry. Right? So, I, I'm, I'm not big fans on guys that turn the football over. That's just me. That just may be me. That just may be how I evaluate quarterbacks. But if you're a quarterback, if you have a big arm, uh, like, look at, look at, what's his name? Josh Allen, Buffalo, big arm. Want to know what they're doing? They throttled him all the way back from when he was in college. They said, "Hey, Josh, we know you got a big arm. We're gonna, we're going to have you check the football down. We're gonna have you just make sure that you're kind of like a, a, a little bit of a boring quarterback, not necessarily a dude that's gonna ha- that's gonna win games with his arm that much. And we're gonna have you run, you know, quarterback draws and read options and things of that nature because you're a big, athletic quarterback, even though you don't necessarily look like it, right?" So when it comes to him specifically, even the Buffalo Bills, smart organization, smart coaching staff said, we can't allow our quarterback to throw the football in harm's way and expose our defense and put our defense out there against Tom Brady. Mm-mm, we're not about to do that. We're going to throttle his ass back, make sure he doesn't turn the football over. By the way, speaking of the Bills, everybody says that the Bills are going to be the, uh, are, are going to be the team that's going to win the AFC East. Patriots get a quarterback. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to have another 10-plus years of dominance. If they get Cam, and if Cam has his has his mechanics refined, a lot of people keep on saying, you know, if they just get Cam, and I kind of made the mistake, I think, a couple of weeks ago with Cam Newton, but if he does not have his mechanics refined, which he's been working on in the last couple of years, uh, he, he, he could be a perennial backup. He could definitely be a backup, and everybody talks about his athleticism and things of that nature, but it's like, listen, it's his athleticism that got him into that situation. The, his, he, he used to, and I watched some of his 2015-2014 games, he used to muscle that football like he was trying to throw it through a freaking just a, just a, a, a vacuum. 
in space. Like there was just no air through it. And he had to just chuck that thing. He'd never used his lower body. Look at how big Cam Newton is. He met like Dak Prescott. He's a big quarterback now, but he uses his legs to throw the football. Imagine the velocity that Cam Newton with his, with his natural upper body strength and adding that lower body, it would take so much slack off of his right shoulder, which he's had three surgeries with, I think maybe two in the last couple of years, right? Just imagine how little like pressure that, that arm would be under when he, when he would throw with, if he would, uh, excuse me, if he would throw with his, with his, um, with his legs. And even Chris Sims, he was talking about it. He was talking about how his arm is now coming down when he's throwing the football instead of having, instead of just kind of half-assing it, not half-assing it, but just kind of not completing that follow through with his, with his, Oh, just practice it with me right now. Right. When you, when you know, pretend like you're a quarterback in the pocket, right. And just swing your arm all the way across your body, all the way down to like your left hip. If you're right-handed. So just swing it all the way down to your left. hip. just, just feel how smooth that feels. Right. I'm kind of doing, I'm doing it right now. Just feel just, you go up, you're, you're, you're in the pocket, you're Tom Brady, you're Cam Newton, you're whoever you are, right? You're, you're in the pocket, you throw it down, you throw it down, then just like stop it, just go halfway now. Like feel how much stress that puts on your shoulder, it kind of jerks your shoulder around it. It, it. it doesn't necessarily hurt, but you can feel that strain because instead of it, instead of you following through the throw, you stop it and all that force that comes with throwing the football, it gets put on your right shoulder or it gets put on your left shoulder if you're left-handed, right? And that's what Cam Newton did for the majority of his career. And I feel like that's what a lot of these young guys are going to do. They're just going to freaking muscle the football like they're trying to throw the football through a freaking battleship. And they're going to, they're, they're going to, like, it's not necessarily going to be the best form and they could get as much power, if not more, if they just... Throw with their legs, throw with their thighs, man. Some of these guys do a lot of squats. Like a lot of these dudes, they do a lot of squats. Especially Cam, he probably does a lot of squats as well. It's like if he learned how to throw with his lower body, if he learned how to throw with his legs and not with his arm, and that's what he was practicing with North Turner in Carolina, he was learning how to just throw the short intermediate throws, trying to become a little bit more accurate. It sucks later on in his career that he was trying to refine his mechanics, but better late than never. But when but he started to refine those mechanics, he started to get a little bit better. Even though he started to get hurt as well. It's like maybe two years off. Maybe that'll help him out. Maybe it'll help him refine his mechanics. We'll see. But Jacob Eason, Jordan Love, I hope like I don't I don't know, man. I don't I don't like quarterback long story short, I don't like quarterbacks that, that freaking muscle the football um through a battleship or like they're trying to throw the football through a battleship, excuse me. Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, I'm not a big fan of both of them. I know that J- Jordan Love didn't have anybody his his final year at Utah State. But he played, but like, I, I, I it's on his resume. What do you want me to do? It's on his resume. I'm going to talk about uh, Jalen Hurts. And then finally, we're going to end with uh, Justin Herbert. Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's easily one of the most underrated guys in the draft. A lot of people had him as like a fourth or third round draft pick, and I and I thought that he could have been a first rounder. I'm like everybody's talking about about what's his name, uh, Jacob J- Jordan Love. I'm like, excuse me, guy that actually proved that he could do it, guy that actually did it. I know he had Lamb, but he was but he transferred from two different systems. 
means that he can be in multiple different offenses, means that he doesn't have necessarily an ego. Has anybody seen Jalen Hurts? He's a pretty big dude. Like, he could develop into a, a really, really nice quarterback. So, I, I you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, fine. You know, he can't necessarily be a starter for you year one. All right. You know, maybe a second rounder, maybe a third rounder at the latest. It's like, if you need a quarterback, if you're one of these, like, if you're, for example, the, the Saints. If you're the Saints, and if you can get him in the second round, you like Taysom Hill, you really, really want him to be your starting quarterback. Taysom Hill. Or do you want a guy that you can that you can improve his play because he's going to learn under Drew Brees? Like, if you're the Saints, it makes a lot of sense to go after uh, Jalen Hurts. It makes a lot of sense to go after Jalen Hurts. And, and I heard that uh, that apparently in one person's mock draft, they have the Steelers picking Jalen Hurts. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense as well. It makes a lot of sense to bench them and let these older quarterbacks play out the rest of their careers, and then you bring his ass in, and then you're like, oh, wait, Jalen Hurts, third-year starter for X team. He has, again, talking about the, um, the, the transfer from being a college pro to an NFL player to a quarterback specifically, and the terminology that changes, the offenses that changes, the way that you throw the football, the separation, the de- everything changes. So then being in one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best offensive minds in the league, if not the best in Sean Payton, one of the greatest football players of all time in Drew Brees, yes, please. Jalen Hurts. I think he could be a really, I don't, I think he could be the potential. I think he has the potential of a starter. However, I also think that he's, you got to have some time with, um, with him specifically. You're going to have to give him some time with, um, with Jordan, not Jordan, excuse me, Jalen Hurts. Give him some time, let him develop. We'll find out very, very soon. Uh, what Jalen uh, Hurts is, and if he doesn't pan out, guess what? He's 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 um he's a, he's going to be a good backup for you. But I thought that he was being completely undervalued, and now when when people when, during the combine, people were like, he's a good fourth rounder. I'm like, what? Now he's gone up to second round, borderline first rounder. Maybe not borderline, but like mid tier second rounder. I got a problem, ladies and gentlemen. I got a problem. All right. <clears throat> Justin Herbert out of Oregon, that Oregon Duck clan. Apparently, he's never been out of the state of Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, Oregon. Apparently, he's never been out of that city that he's in. Like wherever he's gonna go, he's gonna have he's gonna have an adjustment. Especially if he goes from Oregon to to freaking L.A. Oh my God, what a, what a cultural shock that would be. But to me, he's probably the best. I, I don't wouldn't say best overall. I think he would be, and, and there's this terminology that people use, I think he's the best pro-rated or pro-ready quarterback in the draft. He doesn't have an injury history, excuse me. He doesn't have a list of a litany of issues. He's pretty consistent. He's probably the safest bet when it comes to quarterback. He may not necessarily be that high-risk, high-reward pick that uh, that a Tua Tagovailoa would probably be, but I'm not in the high-risk, high-reward business. I just like safe picks. But when it comes to quarterback, he may not. You may have to gamble. You may have to. You may have to risk it. You know. You may have to get a Tua. You may have to get a Joe. That's probably one of the only positions that you may have to risk it with. If I'm honest with you. 
But now, when we're talking quarterbacks, I really, really like Justin Herbert out of Oregon. I thought, I thought it was fucking ridiculous that people were like, oh no, Justin Herbert, don't pick him, pick Jordan Love. I'm like, what, what, what? They were like, yeah, let's get him, let's get him at five. Let's let the, one of the best quarterbacks fall to the Patriots and number 23. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, what, what are people doing? What? The billion dollar industries, billion dollar teams, and they're making billion dollar mistakes. Get a ring. Get a damn ring. Put a ring on it, ladies and gentlemen. People were talking about Jordan Love over Ju- I wish I might. Pick his ass over Justin Herbert. I wish you might. I'm such I'm such a big Justin Herbert fan. I, I feel like it's borderline like ass and I like I shouldn't even have to talk about Justin Herbert that much. Just put on the tape. Just watch his football games. Big, lengthy quarterback. Great size. I think he's six foot four, six foot five. He's he's the archetypal quarterback that you want. Except he's got some wheels to him. He's a pretty good thrower of the football. And to be honest with you, I can't I can't name any of the Oregon Ducks wide receivers that were on his football team. If I'm honest with you. But even then, he took him to multiple Pro Bowls. Pro, uh, not Pro Bowls, but bowl games. I like his touchdown to interception ratio. His completion percentage has gone up. I think, except for one year, which was his junior year, I was like, Justin, what the hell's going on with your with your completion percentage? It's falling off. But I really, really like me some Justin Herbert. And um, if he goes to a good team, he he could be essentially Deshaun Watson. He could be a, a quarterback that could enter into the NFL next year, like Deshaun did in his first year, and torch up the league with a good team around him. It just depends on what the team could be around him. And and I I ha- like if if the rumors about John Gruden and Derek Carr could be true, and how he doesn't necessarily like Derek Carr, and he's kind of out. If they draft Justin Herbert. And this first round, whether at number 12 or the later round pick, sweet baby Jesus. If you if you talk, uh, oh, everybody's been talking about how Oakland doesn't have any players. I, excuse me. I've been talking about how Oakland doesn't have any reason. I don't have any reason to watch an Oakland Raiders game this season. You tell me Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. Or he becomes the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. Or they draft him. And he becomes a quarterback, and he and he starts, or he's the backup, and then he comes in midway through the game. You tell me that? You tell me that? Okay, now, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, we got ourselves a situation here. We got ourselves a reason why we now watch the Oakland Raiders. But it only happened, but it's only hypothetical. Justin Herbert, Oakland Raiders. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. On to probably one of my favorite positions in the draft. I don't got a lot of names for you. Don't really got a lot of names, and I'm probably missing a couple here and there. I completely forgot about T. Higgins, if I'm honest with you. I was going down my list. I was looking, because I said this during the combine. Remember, if you if you were listening to the combine, I said, I'm going to get a list. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to get a bunch of players on that list, and I'm going to talk about these players during the draft. Well, guess what? This is kind of that list. Not necessarily saying these are the, the best players in the draft again. This is a no order. This has really no rhyme or reason. These are just players that I wanted to talk to you today uh, that are going to be in the draft, right? But this, is, this, this list is based upon some of the names that I got in the NFL Combine this season. By the way, they're, they're, you know, they're, some of the videos are pretty good. Some of the podcasts are pretty good. You know, I had a five-hour one, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. Pretty good list. Just saying. Anyways, uh, you probably know some of these names. 
probably don't know some of these other names that I got on the list. How many, what are the names? Just kind of going over my own, my own homework. I did this before the podcast. Let's talk about one of the guys that, again, under-evaluated, mis-evaluated by a lot of uh, executives and scouts and things of that nature. It's funny that these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to watch football, and they can't even do that. Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. How, how big and how tall is he? He didn't run a fast 4-4. Or not four four, excuse me, forty. But it doesn't matter when you're six foot four, two hundred and twenty three pounds, ladies and gentlemen. He is a absolute nightmare on the outside and on the inside, wherever he lines up uh, against any DB. You throw it up, and this is exactly what they did at USC. They threw it up in the air, and they said, "Hey, hey, Michael, 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 go catch the football." And that's exactly what he did. He caught it, whether it was Sam Darnold or whoever the hell I can't even say his last name at USC. He caught everything that threw that was that was thrown his way. He may not necessarily be the fastest guy. May not necessarily be the uh, you know a burner, but he is a great number one. He could be a great number one for your football team. And if it was any other draft uh, in any other year, excuse me, where there were so many wide receivers in this draft, he would probably be a first round draft pick. Just saying about Michael Pittman Jr. But then on top of that, you talk about the production. He's a thousand yard wide receiver, thousand plus yard wide receiver. He has over a hundred catches, I think. He's a great wide receiver for you. Michael Pittman Jr., six foot four, six foot four. Matchup might my, my nightmare, excuse me. Six foot fucking four. You may want to draft him if you're, you know, if you're in the league for a if you're yeah, if you're in the league for a wide receiver. Just saying. Maybe get him. Pretty good wide receiver. Another guy. You'll probably see him go extremely late. He's a red zone guy, big guy. I really, really like him. I really, really liked what he did, the uh, the red zone di- drill that he did at the combine. I saw it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a that's a great red zone drill that he got, that uh, that he had. It looks like he was pretty much on the football field in full pads just doing the drill. Did it very, very smoothly. He ran a 4-4-40, 4 three fours. That's pretty damn fast considering how tall is he, 24? How big is John Hightower out of Boise State? How big, how strong, how tall is he? Hey, 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 calm down. I don't have his numbers right here. Let me look up John Hightower out of Boise. Because he's a big dude. He's easily he, he's easily the size of Pittman. Almost. Maybe not. <laughs> he's not the size of Pittman. He's six foot two, two, 172 pounds. He looked way way bigger like he looks like he's 200 pounds i think that's bs because he looked at the at the combine he looked like he was 220 he looked like he was Pittman. he's a big dude he looked like i, I don't know where they're getting these numbers from he looked apparently he is six foot two 172 pounds but by golly he looked like he was in the 200s he was a big dude let me look up his combine profile or his exact numbers at the combine yeah, he was 189 uh, 89 pounds at the combine. I think he's a little bit bigger uh, than that even, to be honest with you. But when he was at the combine, he ran a 44440 at at 189 pounds. 6 foot 2, absolute beast. Red zone threat. He had eight touchdowns, 943 yards, not necessarily the production that you would want from him. But you put him in the red zone, you put him, you give him a jump ball. He's a big guy, and he will go up and snatch it. I can, what, what what were his what was his vertical? 
You're pretty much drafting him just based upon pure athleticism, by the way. What was his vertical? His vertical was 38 fucking inches. That's like three feet, right? That's yeah, that's like <laughs> that's three feet. Jump three feet in the air, pretty much become ten feet tall. Thirty-eight point five inches, ladies and gentlemen. Trying to tell you something, man. Now he's not going to be a first right, first round selection. He's not going to be a second. He's probably going to be a late, 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 late uh, round draft pick. He's probably going to be drafted fifth or a sixth round. I did a mock draft today, and um, I got all. I had seven rounds. I was drafting for the Cowboys. Pretty much, he was there at, at around the sixth, fifth round. I would say. So was my next guy that I was going to draft, uh, but they took him from me, Antonio Gandy Golden. I think he's I think he's a way better wide receiver than John Hightower. They're going to be selected fairly close to one another, but if you can get Antonio Gandy Golden over John Hightower, I would one thousand percent go with it. Antonio Gandy Golden is a full package wide receiver. He played I don't know where the hell he played, but he you could tell that he was probably a D one athlete playing up against a bunch of scrubs. Let me put it to you like that. Antonio Gandy Golden ran a 4.6240. He's not the fastest guy, but he will go up and get anything that you tell him to go up and get. He's a bald eagle flying up against a bunch of pigeons. He's a big dude. He's fast. He's violent. Great run after catch. Great hands. Which you usually, like weirdly enough, like sometimes whenever you see a bunch of power guys, sometimes you see a bunch of guys like John Hightower, What's his name? AGG, Antonio Gandy Golden. Sometimes they don't have the best hands. I saw great hands from AGG and even John Hightower. Maybe it's because I remember Des Bryant and the nightmare that he was for my Dallas Cowboys. Now, <clears throat> another guy that you're going to hear about, see about, maybe he's a first round rounder. It, it just depends on what teams are feeling. Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Again, big bodied wide receiver. Six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Matchup nightmare, absolute horrific. Because you can play him inside, you can play him outside. Again, like John, like Agg, I think he's better. I think he's a better version because he's a better route runner than both of them. And we saw him play up against great competition this year in Baylor. You want to talk about a number one or a number two guy? A lot of people say that. Uh, who who could draft him? What was that team? The Packers. They were like, the Packers could be a great fit for him. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Matt LeFleur. Great matchup for him. Not matchup, but matching for him. Then you may get a tight end if you're the Packers in the draft. Help out the blocking for the Green Bay Packers. Denzel Mims, man. He's an absolute freest. He's an absolute base. Devin Duvernay, 4440. Probably one of the best slot receivers in the draft, if not the best slot receiver. Um, KJ Hamler, he's there as well. Out of Texas. And Devin Duvernay, of course. But Devin Duvernay, man, I saw him at the Combine. He is exactly what you want out of a slot receiver. He can run the jet sweep. He can run fly motions. You can line him up in the slot. He has great hands. He has incredible speed. He's going to be there if you want him. He's going to be there probably in the third, maybe fourth round. Probably in the, you could maybe get him in the fourth round if I'm honest with you. He could definitely fall. I mean, 
one of the enough said about best slot receiver in this draft in a draft that's loaded with receivers. Justin Jefferson, first round draft pick out of LSU, the guy that I was talking about with Joe Burrow, his vision, his ability to make bad catches. Not to say that Joe, and and again, I I feel like I'm a little bit bashing on Joe Burrow, uh, even even though he had a fantastic season. It's just, there were a lot of throws that I watched where they were highlights for Justin Jefferson, and they were just underthrown footballs, man. However, Justin Jefferson, and we're kind of going off of Joe Burrow now, but Justin Jefferson, you can play him anywhere. I remember I was listening to the Chris Sims podcast, and he was talking about how Essentially, Justin Jefferson is one of the best wide receivers in the in, in the draft. He's better than Jerry Judy because you can put not only Justin Jefferson on the inside, but you can also put him on the outside. And Chris Sims thought that he was a better wide receiver than Jerry Judy on the inside than he was on the outside. He's a better route runner, apparently. Apparently, he has more dynamic catches. Apparently, he has more dynamic plays against better talent. I mean... I'm just saying that's what he said. I'm going to have to disagree, but Justin Jefferson, man, I feel like he is sorely underrated. And when I was watching the combine, I made a mental note. I'm not even a mental note. I wrote it down in my journal. I said to myself, I said, goodness gracious. He's had a fantastic combine. And at the time, completely underrated. Everybody was like, who's who's this guy, Justin Jefferson? Oh, he's a second round draft pick. Then you go go back and watch some LSU tape. You go back and watch him play at LSU. He's been fantastic for Justin, not for Justin Jefferson, for Joe Burrow. He's one of those reasons why Joe had so many yards and had so many doggone touchdowns. Just saying, he's gonna be there if you're like if you're drafting late in the first round. And this is this is my worry as a Dallas Cowboy fan. He's gonna be there for the Eagles, and he's gonna run ramp rampant on the Cowboys next year. That's my that's my main worry about Justin Jefferson coming out of LSU, that he goes to the Eagles. Eagles have Darius Slate Jr., and they got Justin Jefferson. I know Darius Slate Jr. is a corner, but I, like corner as in like he, he, he can now counteract Amari Cooper. I don't want to see Darius Slate Jr. Two, two times a year. I do not want to see Justin Jefferson play two times a year, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of, some of my draft picks, they just put Devin DuVernay on my screen, 106 receptions, 1,386 yards, 9 touchdowns in 2019. They're showing all his highlights. He's a short guy, he's a fast guy, he can run good routes, play in the slot, I want him. I want Justin Jefferson, I want Devin DuVernay. Notice how I saved the best for last, Jerry Judy. Henry Ruggs the third, CD Lamb. Hey, twenty-four. Who's who's your best guy? Who's who's the best guy coming out of coming out of this draft, wide receiver wise? Obviously, it's CD Lamb. Anyone who doesn't have CD Lamb at number one, I don't know what they're doing. CD Lamb, he may not necessarily be the fastest guy. What was his forty again? It wasn't very fast. I think it was a four-four, maybe a four-five forty. Like, it wasn't that fast. Hold on. Let me look him up. Let me look him up. By the way, they put up Justin Jefferson. His numbers, 18 reception touchdowns in 2018. Or 2019. What was this, 40? It was a 4-4. It was a 4-5-40, right? Not a fast guy. He's not a big guy. But he plays big. 6'2", 198 pounds. He plays big, man. And when I was watching Oklahoma last year, he had some of easily... Easily 
some of the best runs after the catch uh, in, in the league in college. When, uh, when, when the Houston Texans, when they traded away DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, why would you do that? I was also talking about for like a couple of weeks, I think early February, not early February, late February, early March-esque. I was like, man, if I'm Arizona, I would just get Kyler Murray a, a weapon. I would get him C.D. Lamb. Turns out you don't need C.D. Lamb because you got a better version of him in DeAndre Hopkins. You got a better, older, more experienced version of him in DeAndre Hopkins. But he plays exactly like DeAndre Hopkins. He's big. He, he plays bigger, excuse me, than, than, he, uh, than he is. Like DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is around the same weight. But he kind of looks skinny on the football field. So does C.D. Lamb. But when they play, they, they play with, without a regard for their body. They will catch it and run it in traffic, and they will make plays. Is he the best route runner? No. Is he the fastest guy? No. But if you give the football to him, he will make plays. And I can't really say that a lot. I can't really say that about Jerry Judy. I don't know if, if I put the ball in his hands, he'll make the same plays that C.D. Lamb will make. I don't know if he'll run into traffic without human without regard for his for his own safety. I don't know if, if C.D. not C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs III is the same way. However, those two other guys have also strengths uh, for themselves as well. But C.D. Lamb, he's easily the best wide receiver in the draft. But... When, and, and this is kind of thinking about the potential and not necessarily looking at the prospect. But when you look at the potential of C.D. Lamb, it's like, yeah, could he be a better route runner? Oh, yeah. You could definitely help him improve his route running capabilities going forward. But right now, he's the best wide receiver in the draft. And he can only, by the way, get better. Who's my second guy? Jerry Judy. The reason why I say Jerry Judy is my second guy, and I'm always shocked whenever I was, whenever I have people be like, oh yeah, Jerry Judy is going to fall. He's going to fall hard. And I'm like, hand, hand, I'm raising my hand right now. I'm, I'm raising it. I'm waving my hand too. I'm saying, hey, 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 hey. You do realize he's one of the best wide, uh, wide receivers in the draft. He's probably the best route runner of, in the draft. What does that mean, best route runner in the draft? Well, when you're an NFL wide receiver, you, are, you have certain archetypes. Des Bryant, not necessarily the best route runner in the league. In fact, he's, he, when he was at the top of his game, he was pretty mediocre. But then you have a Larry Fitzgerald who, was, you know, who, who played a lot in the, on the outside, excuse me. But when, um, it, oh my God, I don't know why I'm so tongue-tied this podcast. But later on in his career, he transitioned to playing more in the slot. He can still play outside you'll still find him playing on the outside but the reason why you play him now on the inside is because he lost a touch of his speed and the only way for him to get separation now is for him to run routes clean crisp routes it helps with giving your quarterback that separation that he would need to throw the football in a not so tight window because everybody talks about the window in the nfl being extremely tight route running helps you get that separation that you would need and Jerry Judy is one of the best route runners, if not the best route runner, in the draft. And I said this. I said this, I think, a week or two ago. I said, I think he could be better than Amari Cooper. I've seen him play in, in college. I'm like, man, he could probably be better than Amari. We'll see, though. We'll see. Folding up my journal so many times that it's starting to get creases everywhere. 
Finally, we got the speedster. We got the burner. Henry Ruggs III. I mean, match made in heaven if he goes to, uh, to what's it called? The 49ers. Match made in absolute heaven. You got Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. You got him running jet sweep, fly motions, read options. You can run everything with, with rugs. I, again, you can line him up in the backfield. Run him east to west. Not straight down a hill. See what happens. See what happens. But whenever I think of Henry Ruggs III, I think of just an absolute beast on the outside, potentially. On the inside, we'll see. Don't necessarily know how good of a route runner he is on the inside. But on the outside, you may as well just start putting up two fingers and say deuces, man, because he's gone. You give him, you give him space. You give him a couple of yards. I, I, I doubt anyone's going to put him in press. Because you put this dude in press, he gets a step like a cheetah. He's running 70 down the football field. And there are some quarterbacks, like, how many, what would be a great matchup? A great match for Henry Ruggs. I think a, a, someone with a strong arm, um, somebody who can deliver, I, like, I, I don't want to make the obvious choice and say Patrick Mahomes, because he already has a freaking Henry Ruggs the third in Tyreek Hill, but I think Henry Ruggs is taller than him, too, which would make him even a better prospect coming out of the draft. Faster guy, good hands. Patrick Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen. I like, I like, listen, I like Lamar. I don't necessarily think he has that strong of an arm, like comparatively to Patrick Mahomes. I think, I think Lamar, his strength, when it comes to him throwing the football, his arm strength, I think it comes from his mechanics over his ability. You know, I don't think that he's, you know, throwing the football around and, you know, he's, he's able to throw it, you know, 70, 80 yards like Patrick Mahomes out of the stadium. But I think it comes from his legs. I think it comes from him, from his footwork which is, by the way, great. But if you told me Lamar Jackson, Henry Ruggs III, Hollywood Brown, Mark, Mark Andrews, real, legitimate, down-the-field th- down threats combined with intermediate threats, I, I can't imagine Henry Ruggs, his comeback, his comeback route. Can't imagine it. He learns, If he learns that, oh my God. Combined with Hollywood Brown, combined with Mark Andrews, combined with, who else do they have? Boyle? The reason why I mentioned the comeback is that, you know, if he if he just learns that route specifically, because people are going to think, oh, he's just going to go up the field, and, and he is. You know, a comeback is pretty much you go back, down, you go up the field, and then you come back for the football. You, it's like you go. It's kind of like a, a an upside down check mark, right? Go up and then you come down, right? If he learns that route, like for for specifically the Baltimore Ravens, like he he could be he could be one of the best wide receivers. Coming out of the draft, I think if he was a better route runner, but maybe his skills as a route runner weren't necessarily shown off at Alabama. Maybe they just thought that he was a, a speedster or burner. Like, I don't think he needs to be a, a, a technician at route running coming out of the draft or in the next couple of years. I think he just needs to learn a couple of solid routes, be a reliable target for his quarterback. Tyreek Hill, he's a fast guy, but he's a reliable target for Patrick Mahomes. He'll find that hole. He'll find he'll find that opening. He'll get that separation from Mahomes to just launch it. We'll see. We'll see about him specifically. Let me readjust here. Is Wingstop open? I'm not gonna lie to you. I have had a hankering for some of these fast food joints. I don't know why. I'm I'm trying not to go out. I just bought groceries today. I just bought a lot of groceries. I'm like 
I really want it, but I haven't, I haven't like, I haven't gone out in like a week again. Like it's, it's one of those times where it's like, you know, if you know me, if you know 24, I don't go out at all anymore. Like there was like a span of like two weeks where I just went outside and ran and worked out, did not start up a car, did not go anywhere. Started up a car today, went out. I heard they have chicken tenders now. I'm like, I want, I want to get five crispy tent. Like, can I go get, can I go get that? Can I go get that, that, that freaking, can I go get that at those chicken tenders? I'm hungry, man. I'm, I'm hungry for something, man. Hold on. I mean, they're open from now to midnight. I'm going to Wingstop, it looks like. Where's that? Can I see that on Google? I'm pretty sure I know where it is. Now I'm just getting distracted. It's not that far away. Yeah, I know where it is. Okay. Wait, where is this? Google is not showing me. On, okay, I'm done. I'm done looking it up. I'm done looking it up. That's way too. That's way too obnoxious. Or uh, now I'm being obnoxious. Sorry about that. So, moving off of wide receivers, going to defensive linemen. Now I got a lot of defensive linemen. All over the place. I got uh, Ross Blacklock, Leaky Fotu, Neville Gallimore, Justin Matabuki, Rashard Lawrence, Je- uh, Jordan Elliott, Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, Mar- uh, Marlon Davidson, and Roquan Davis. A lot of guys that are going to be drafted first round, second round, third round, to late round draft picks. Why did I do that? To show you that you have some options here. Leaky Fotu, probably a third or fourth rounder. Neville Gallimore, he is an athletic monster and an athletic freak. He is a really, really, really big football player. I think he may be six foot three, six foot four, three hundred pounds. He looks like a bear. He looks like Fletcher Cox. He's a little bit unrefined, but you'll take it. You'll take him. Probably in the second round. He's an absolute disruptor. Disruptor. I talked about it when I was watching the combine. I talked about how Neville Gallimore. He was uh, he was he was doing the combine drills and things of that nature, and he just hit this freaking tackling dummy, a dummy that's supposed to get hit and get back up, and he hit it with such a force, such just domination that the freaking tackling dummy did not get up. He, they had to freaking pick it up and tell him to get back on its job. Your job is supposed to get hit and get back up. He did not want to get back up. They had to give the tackling dummy some more money to cover his medical expenses. Derek Brown, he's probably one of the only defensive tackles in the draft that can consistently rush the passer, I would say. And that's why he's so highly evaluated, is because there's a lot of great defensive tackles that can stop the run. There's not a Derek Brown where he can legitimately rush the passer as well as stop the run. Usually, defensive tackles, they stop the run. He can stop the run and get through, and get to, excuse me, the passer. The pass. Oh, oh my God. The quarterback, excuse me. A little bit tired. Yeah, that's why Derek Brown, by the way, is the best defensive tackle in the draft. Now, I'm going to look up this picture of this next guy. You probably can't see him. What do, you, what do I mean probably? It's audio only, 24. Wake up. Hey, 24. Hey, 24. Wake your ass up. Jesus Christ, what am I talking about? You probably can't see him. Oh my God, of course you can't see him. Jesus Christ. Anyways, this next guy, 
when I saw this next dude, and I saw, oh my god, he must be an edge rusher, right? He must be, because he's a massive fucking human being. I'm like, there's no way he's a, he's a D-tackle. He is Javon Kenlock coming out of Lenore Ryan University. He is an absolute mammoth. Not even a, a mammoth. He's a lion or a black bear. Nope, not a black bear because he's not very... He, he, does, he is deceivingly smaller than you think he is. But this dude, as a defensive tackle, like he... he I'm trying to think. He's kind of like an unconditioned rock. Because he's a big dude now. He's a really... How much does he weigh? Let me just get his numbers. Because he probably he's probably not 300 pounds. He may actually be 300 pounds. Let me just make sure. Because he's one big, 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 big dude. Javon Kenlaw, NFL prospects. Here we go. How big is he? How big is Javon Kenlaw? Goodness gracious, I was incorrect. He is six foot five. Six foot five. How much do you think he weighs? I thought he didn't weigh 300 pounds. How much do you think he weighs? How much? Look him up. Look up Javon Kenlaw. Look him up right now. Don't worry. I'll wait. I'll wait. Look him up on your phone right now. Look up Javon Kenlaw. Don't look up his his height and weight. Look up him on Google Images. How much do you think Javon Kenlaw weighs? Because you're wrong. He weighs 324 pounds. He's bigger, I think, than Neville Gallimore. He's bigger... Then what's his name that I just... He's, 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 he's one of the biggest dudes in the draft. He's 324 pounds. And he doesn't look anything like 324 pounds. Jesus Christ. He's humongous. He is... He, his, his, his body... His head looks tiny comparatively to his body. Jesus Christ, man. He's an absolute monster. He looks like Tyrone Crawford. Except he's bigger. He's way bigger. How much does Tyrone Crawford weigh? He probably weighs somewhere close to 300 pounds. How much does Tyrone Crawford weigh? He weighs 282. He's got 40 pounds on the dude and he looks exactly like him. He's a big he's what was what was his 40? What was it for? What was the draft prospect? What was it? What was it? What did he do at the draft? Sweet baby Jesus. What was his forty? It probably wasn't very fast. He didn't run the forty. He didn't do anything at the combine because it wasn't at. The, but sweet baby, he got the twenty-four pounds on his ass. You must be tripping. Athletic monster. Athletic freak. Just look him up. He's a big dude. I gotta put on his tape. I'm gotta. I gotta watch this dude in action. Sweet baby Jesus. Oh my God. Oh no, he didn't go to Lenore Ryan. That's that's Duggar. That's another guy I'm gonna talk about. He went to South Carolina. Jesus Christ, man. Let me look up Javon Kenlaw one time for the one time. Sorry about that. I meant to mute him. 
Where is he? Hang, there he is. He's one on one. Just beats him off the line of scrimmage. Beats him off the line of scrimmage. He's play. He just smokes this. Le- where where was he? Where was he? I think I think they dropped his ass. What 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 was the play? I think it was a stunt. I don't know. Maybe it's a different play. Where is he? He's against the center. That's easy money for for Javon Kinlaw. Just beats the tar out of the center. Just uh, just gets off his block like he's nobody. Even gets held a little bit on the play. Just says adios. You're mine. The quarterback gets hit so hard he fumbles that dang on football. Oh my god. Let me take another uh, another swig. Hold on. Against Alabama. This is Tua. I already know who he is. Bang. Play action. Oh my god. Oh my god. He just when I say he almost he almost put his ass in a Tua's lap. Puts this right guard in Tua's he just just pushes him into Tua's lap. Sweet baby Jesus. Oh my god, that boy has a mama. And he did him dirty like that. He's gonna have kids, Javon. Don't do that to him. Come on, man. Just oh my god, just sits his ass down, t- says, take a seat. Take a seat while I put your quarterback on his on his butt. He did that to Tua. Oh my goodness, to Tua Tagovailoa. They're showing what he can do on special teams. Beat the long snapper. He plays the three technique and I think the two technique. Right, that's what that's what it is. The three technique where you're lined up one on one and then I think he gets he's gonna get double teamed here. Yep, he got double teamed and he still gets his hands up. Great job by Javon. He's one-on-one against the center. They're rushing everybody on the inside. I think this is a blitz here. No, it's just they're rushing five guys. They maxed out on protection. They have um, the defensive lineman just rush on the inside. And it's just a one-on-one. And I think they use a linebacker to blitz on the outside. So everybody else is on the inside. Javon Kinlaw, he freaking muscles his way to the quarterback. And when I say this dude collapses the pocket... He's doing a fantastic job as a defensive tackle of collapsing that dog on pocket. Great job by Javon Kinlaw against Tennessee. Oh my goodness. Just, I mean, he he even gets off his block with, with some help from his defensive end. Let me see this play. Who is he against? Against the Gators? Bang. Again, beats the, beats the right guard. Or not the right guard, the left guard. The freaking quarterback is so is so just discombobulated. He's so awestruck. He just freaking throws a pick. He's like, I don't want to get hit by that monster, by that 324 pound monster. I want to, I'm, I'm just going to throw it away. I'm going to, I'm going to commit a turnover. That's how badly that doggone quarterback did not want to get hit. Oh my God. Bang. He's like, pick. <laughs> Javon just, just beats him off the line. There he goes again. Bang. Gets chipped at the line. Pretty much is supposed to get double teamed, but somebody, somebody, just a miscommunication. Bang. Nope. It's even a stunt. It's a stunt. It was supposed to be for the edge rusher. Javon goes inside. He's supposed to go really on the inside. He's supposed to try and hit one, get one-on-one with the center. And I think free up another defensive end or not a defensive end, but another defensive tackle. It's a weird stunt, but Javon Kinlaw just says, you guys are taking way too much time to rust the dang on quarterback. I'm going to hit Drake from myself. Commit another, get another doggone pick. 24th, taking it down the scene for a pick six. Sweet baby, there he goes. There he is, bang. 
gets from on his butt. Put him on a put him in the dirt, ladies and gentlemen. Vanderbilt inside early pressure. Great job playing the run. Let me see Javon one more time. Man, just I mean, it, 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 is, there, is there an offensive lineman? Is he supposed to block? It doesn't look like it. Because there he is again, and, and you would not. I kid you not. You see this guy play. You would not think he is 324 pounds. He looks like he is six foot five. He he is six foot five, right? He's six foot five. He's six foot five. How tall is he? We know how big is he. How tall is he? He looks like he's six foot. He he looks he looks ridiculous. He's six foot five. That's why that's why he looks so freaking. I don't want to say small, but that's why he doesn't look like he's 324 pounds. I thought he was like 270, 280. I was like, it looks big. But then I lo- but then I watch him rush the quarterback and watch him stand up and and watch and watch him like stand around all the other players. And I'm like, he's he's really really tall. Dang, off the edge again. Did he run a stunt? Yeah, ran ran a stunt. Jesus Christ, man. Dang, trying to get that edge rusher free. Gets his hands up. Great job by Javon. Dang. Dang. Oh, my God. I'm done watching Javon Kinlaw. Uh, he's a first, he's the second best DT in the draft. Second best. Second best. Second best. Only to Derek Brown. Only to Derek Brown. Uh... Rashard Lawrence out of LSU, probably a late, later round, uh, probably third, fourth draft pick. But you're going to get some value for him. He could potentially be a starter for you, and he could also be a, uh, a depth piece as well. Rashard Lawrence, he could be a really, really nice player for you. Justin Matabuki, he's probably a second rounder. I think that's it. Oh yeah, Jordan Elliott, look for him. Look for him to be in the second round, I think. Second, third round. Defensive end, pretty straightforward. Uh, AJ Epinesa, Chase Young, Zach Bond. Who else do I got? Caleb on. Hey, on. Yeter, Gross, Matos, Terrell, Lewis. Right now, um, I would probably have Chase Young as my number one. Listen, watch some. Uh, watch some. Hit my keyboard. Watch some uh, Ohio State footage of him. Uh, I, one of the things that I like about him, and he's just the, he simply put the best. He's, is he as good as Nick Bosa? No, but he doesn't have to be. Nick Bosa was the best, was one of the best pass rushers in the league last year. Not in college, in the pro scene. Alright? Doesn't have to be uh, Nick Bosa. What he does have to be is probably one of the best pass rushers coming out of this draft, and that is and that is exactly what he is. Chase Young can play both inside and outside, which is why I, ha- I am really, really, really worried about him playing in the NFC East. And uh, playing up against my Dallas Cowboys with Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat and probably uh, what's his name? Uh, what, what's what's that? What's that guy's name? Reuben Foster, linebacker out of Alabama. Pretty good one at that, right? Chase Young, best 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 defensive end in the draft. Uh, everybody went Google and Gaga for AJ Epinesa, and then I saw him at the combine, and I was like, really? That's your guy? Then everybody was like, nope, he's not the second best uh, defensive end in the draft. It's Caleb on. Hey on. Calevon Chason out of LSU. Production does not speak volumes of how good this player is. I started to look at him and I was like, wait a second, he's pretty good. Started 
look at some LSU games. I did not watch any LSU games. I had to watch a lot of LSU games because obviously did not watch any this season. Didn't watch a whole lot of college football. That's going to change next season, by the way. I'm going to watch college football. I'm going to watch Sunday night football. I'm going to watch a lot of, I'm going to watch a lot. Listen, there's going to be a lot of action on the podcast in the fall if there's going to be football. Trust and believe that. Whenever, not even in the fall, whenever football gets started up, period, look for some podcasts, multiple podcasts, potentially four, maybe even five on the weekends, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a lot of action when football gets started up once again. But Kayvon Chase on easily the second best player in, uh, in not second best player, oh my God, second best defensive end in the draft. He's going to be there mid-round. He's got, he, he could potentially even go top 10, if I'm honest with you, depending on needs and how teams evaluate him. Don't, like, don't get it twisted. He's, he's very, very good. He's very, very good. Uh, Terrell Lewis out of, out of Alabama. He would be a lot higher if he didn't have so many injuries that led to him probably having uh, a, lot, a lot less production and development. That, maybe not a lot less production, but less production and development than you would want. Uh, for him being, I think, a three- or four-year starter out of Alabama, excuse me. But overall, he's he's probably one of the best pass rushers in the league, in the draft, excuse me. He would probably have been better if he had, um, if he wasn't so, uh, if he wasn't injured so much. Zach Bond, by the way, just tested for, what was it, what was that thing called? A diluted sample. Pretty much, he just had a lot of water in his sam- in, in his in his system, right uh, during the combine. Oh my God, what a surprise! An athlete that's going to be running around and stuff like that and peeing a lot is going to have a diluted sample of water. Why did the Why does the NFL even test for that shit? It's like it's water. Like if we're talking a diluted sample, meaning that he had a like like. And by the way, the diluted sample is so on the line of. Of um of being like properly hydrated for that combine, it's a little bit ridiculous. I thought that the diluted sample thing is just a mess of a way to evaluate players and a way to check if players like it, drug test them, but don't check if they have a diluted sample. That's just a waste of fucking time. You're you're looking for something that's just stupid, right? Like just get rid of that stupid ass diluted sample. But yes, Zach Bond, he's a linebacker. He he flexes, but he's going to be a defensive end. He's not going to be a linebacker. Make no mistake about it. How big is he? How how strong is he? He's. Let me look him up. Let me look up Zach Bond. I don't know if he'll flex. I don't think he'll flex. I think he will be a linebacker, not a linebacker, a um, an end, a defensive end in the draft. But we'll see. We'll see. He is six foot two, two hundred and thirty eight pounds. Is that Zach Bond? I thought he was white. I'm like, wait a second, is that him? He's black. He doesn't look black, he looks white. It's like when 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 the light hits him, I'm like, that's Zach Bond? That's him? I looked at his face and then I looked at his hair and I'm like, wait, he's not white, he's black. Okay, alright. All right. <laughs> Four, five, six, forty. Uh he he had twenty-four bench press presses of two hundred and forty not forty, two hundred and fifty pounds, I think. He's a big dude. Maybe not big, but he's he's a little bit undersized sized, excuse me, for being a not a linebacker, a um a defensive end. But 238 pounds, he's going to have to add some more meat on his bones. Uh he's but he will develop as a football player, I think very very nicely for a team that will want to draft him probably in the second round, if I'm honest with you. 
Uh, who else do I got on my list here? Yeter Gross Matos. I haven't looked at him at all, if I'm honest with you. Have not looked at him at all. I don't really have a comment on Yeter Gross Matos. Reason why I haven't looked at him is because, like, like I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. DBs, Jeffrey Akuda, CJ Henderson, Kristen Fulton, AJ Terrell, Trevon Diggs. Uh, enough said. Probably some of the best corners in the draft. These aren't necessarily, again, we're not talking like ranking stuff like that, but these are some of the best corners I think that are going to be taken. I love me some Kristen Fulton. I love Trevon Diggs. He could, he could be a turnover machine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, like he is the antithesis of a Byron Jones in the sense of this guy has fantastic hands, great ball vision, used to play wide receiver at a very, very high level, I might add. And now he is playing cornerback. He is going to be a steal for somebody in the second round, potentially, because he is going to be a turnover machine, ladies and gentlemen. You match him up against a second rounder. And if you have a, not a second rounder, a number two. And if you have a number one, number one corner, of course, and if you match him up against a number two and that quarterback slacks, great ball vision, great hands. He's going to be good in coverage. I'm not sure about his tackling. And he's a big corner, too. He's maybe like six foot two, six foot three. He's a big corner. Is he six foot two, six foot three? How big is he? He's a big dude. That's all I know. He's six foot one. He's a big dude. <laughs> He's a big dude. He's 205, by the way. Six foot one. He looks bigger. He looks bigger than what he initially is or what he actually is. Uh, Jeffrey Akuda. It's not necessarily a turnover machine. He's great in coverage. He's great in um He's great in press. He's great in zone. He's the best corner in the draft, ladies and gentlemen. There's no there's no mistake about it. Um, C.J. Henderson is probably the second best. A.J. Terrell, he's probably a second rounder, but he's going to give you so much value in A.J. Terrell. Um, I think he's also a big-bodied corner. I think he's like I, I, I said. I said that freaking what's his name? Trevon Diggs was like six foot two, six foot three. But I'm bad at judging height. But A.J. Terrell, Christian Fulton, I think those guys, specifically Christian Fulton, could probably be a first rounder, if I'm honest with you. But you know, we'll see. We'll see about the corners. Safeties, Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield Jr., Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar. Some of these guys like um, Antoine Win, Winfield, Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, you're going to see um, in the second round, and they're going to be great, great value draft picks for whoever picks them up because all of them are borderline first-rounders, um, especially Kyle Duggar and Antoine Winfield Jr., with some questions surrounding, I think, injury. And Kyle Duggar playing at Lenore Ryan. He's the guy that plays at Lenore Ryan. Um, with some questions about where they played and their injury history and things of that nature. Like, that's why they're going to fall. But they're not going to fall that far. And in fact, Antoine Winfield Jr. could probably be a first rounder, if I'm honest with you. Xavier McKinney, I've all, I will not shut up shut up about this guy. You can play him anywhere. Free safety, strong safety. Um he's he's solid and again talking about draft picks sometimes that's all you need is just being a good football player and going in and just being like hey just gonna play my position I'm not really gonna get a lot of turnovers I'm just gonna play the run I'm gonna play the pass I'm gonna be that safety net that teams need on the back end I'm gonna be a safety 
Going to be a good one at that. Especially when Dallas has two, you know, two strong safeties. Maybe get a, you know, maybe you get a, a free safety. Just saying. Grant Delpit, he's the turnover machine at safety. Now, the reason why I'm not high on Grant Delpit comparatively to um, to Xavier McKinney is that he's a bang or bust. You know, and I don't like bang or bust when it comes to draft picks because usually they're more bust than bang. But he can be that high risk, high reward pick that you get in that first round and I think one team is going to pick him because you know he is a first rounder but we'll see his transition specifically to the pro scene um in in the next year I know that a lot of what I've said today is we'll see about him later on in the pro scene and things of that nature but that's all it kind of garners down to is just you know what exactly will you do in the pro scene comparatively to what you did at college that's essentially what's going to happen with a lot of these draft picks it's like what are you what are you what are you going to do are you going to be the guy that everybody thought you were, or are you going to be somebody completely different? Don't need to close up my journal. But yeah, those were a little bit of the uh, the names that were going to be on the list. And I know that I kind of sped through some of the names on the list kind of quickly uh, going uh, at the end. But um, I think overall... I, I constantly talk about the wide receivers. I constantly talk about how much I like some of the quarterbacks, even though I kind of bashed Joe a little bit. I just talked about his flaws over his positives. But even though there's, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks, there's a lot of wide receivers, I think there's some other positions as well, like Javon Kinlaw, like Jeffrey Akuda, like C.J. Henderson. Who else did I have at corner? C.J. Henderson, A.J. Terrell, Trevon Diggs. I had some guys there, man, that I think could be great second-rounders for you. Maybe not first-rounders, but definitely second-rounders. In fact, some of them are definitely, some of the corners are definitely borderline first-rounders, but they're not first-rounders. But, you know, I'm excited for this draft. Cannot wait for it to start next week. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24. Remember to like, comment. oh my god, sorry. Thinking that I'm doing a fucking YouTube video right now. This has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. You can find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pod... What? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. That's where you can find my podcast. Get it together, 24. I'm sorry. I'm very, very tired right now. Um, I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna... I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow... I think I'm going to cast the game. There we go. That's what we can do tomorrow. What game? I don't know. Look for it in my podcast. Look for it tomorrow. I'm going to have it tomorrow. Um, I'm recording this kind of a little bit early, so I may record that next video or that next podcast a little bit earlier on. Ladies and gentlemen, until my next podcast, I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.